Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, this is Jenny Beth Gardner with the Transformational Education Network called 10.3, and you're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. In this week's episode, we're going to talk with our guest about how missions agencies can care for their members, about how some churches have been able to create lasting connections with their missionaries, and also about the value of accountability and mentoring. As usual, we are going to hear from Scott McClelland with the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. He's going to continue his series on security and leadership. And I also want to mention that by the time this is published, we should have the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment available as its own podcast. So if you stop by the show notes, you should be able to click a link right there and go subscribe to that show. And I'd like to suggest that you go ahead and do that. It'll be just the weekly stuff that he's been putting out for quite some time. I think it's going to be great, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. And one other thing before we get started, if you enjoy the Bible and you'd like to be able to listen to it on the go, maybe while you're driving to and from work or working out or working around the house or whatever... I'd like to suggest that you stop by engagingmissions.com slash free book. The Bible is just one of the 180,000 titles that are available through audible.com. And if you would like to, you could subscribe to their service, try it out for free for a month. And the very first book that you download is available for free. It's in the case, in the case of the Bible, we're talking 90 hours of audio available for you for free. That's actually the book that I got when I signed up for Audible years ago, and I've been using it uh, ever since. I really do enjoy being able to listen to the Bible. With that, we're going to go ahead and get right into this week's episode. All right. Welcome to the Engaging Missions show. Our guest today is Anne Heinrichs. She lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota with her husband, and she's coming to us with over 25 years of ministry experience. She served for quite a number of years as a worship director, and in that time, she also volunteered and was involved in some short-term missions. But then back in 2010, she made the switch to full-time missions, where she became involved with uh, Adventive Cross-Cultural Initiatives. And she serves there, uh, both here in the U.S., and then also has some ongoing partnerships in Belize and Italy. So, Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you today. 
Oh, I'm, I'm so jazzed to have you. And <laughs> jazz is kind of a, a bit of a pun for me because I, you know, you mentioned that you were a music minister or a music director yeah. for a while at a, and, uh, I'm a musician. So I'm just wondering what instruments do you play? Oh, I play piano. Um, I used to play the harp a little bit, but then I started getting arthritis in my fingers. So sadly I had to let that go, but I play piano and then, uh, my main instrument is singing. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned, and normally right here, I would have you introduce yourself, but if, if you don't mind, I'm just wondering, you know, as you shifted your focus from music and worship leadership into leading a ministry, how did that change your focus? You know, it's interesting because flipped the other way around, um, worship and missions goes together so well. And so, through the years as a worship director or worship pastor, I was always doing short-term missions on the side and part of the mission leadership of our church too, as well in more of a volunteer position. And so, um, in my last ministry job at my church, um, I was actually the liaison pastor for the missions area while I was the worship pastor. So it's quite amazing. So really um, what happened was I, I actually have my degree in uh, biblical studies and cross-cultural worship, uh, cross-cultural studies and missions, not in worship and music. And so after, um, after that, I went to school and got some more t- uh, growth in the area of music and, and vocal and that kind of thing and ended up going into the worship ministry with a huge missions component right alongside it. Um, so a lot of the things we did together, we did with a missions focus and we did outreaches and we did cross-cultural experiences along with the regular weekend worship responsibilities. And then five years ago, I got in a car accident. And during that time of recovery, my husband actually prompted me with that thought of, and maybe it's time to go into full-time missions. What do you think? And flip this around. And at the time I was on the board with, uh, with Adventive and as a board member for about eight years and then decided uh, with, after some prayer and, and some time with the Lord over a three month period, the Lord just really flipped that around. And I came on then with ACCI during my recovery um, with their staff team, but as a contracted missionary, basically um, serving with them on staff. That's really interesting. So you, you mentioned your husband and his role mm-hmm. in this. I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. is he involved in what you do with ACCI? You know, he's uh, involved in the most important way in just supporting me <laughs> in every step of this. Um, he, uh, has gone gone on trips with me. He goes on different, um, when it fits into his work schedule and things like that, you know, he'll go along with me, but more than anything, he's just my biggest prayer warrior and wisdom and support and everything, uh, that you could possibly ask for. He's, he's amazing. (laughs) So sometimes he does get to go with me. Yeah. Well, that's great. You know, a, a little bit later, we're going to shift our focus more toward the, the ministry, but I'm wondering, can you maybe just share with us kind of a high-level view of what it is that ACCI does and how you're involved in that? Oh, absolutely. Um, my role is all five, we have five of us on staff. We have about Not that this is about numbers at all, but just in context of size, we have about 70 missionaries in about 19 countries, I think I counted last. And we really um, 
care about member care more than anything. That's kind of one of our main focuses. So all five of us invest in that area. And then we each have our different gifting um, in what we bring to the team and to the areas that I help with is partnership development and then short-term missions. And that component, meaning I come alongside the team leader and help them uh, prepare their teams, get them out to their mission and back and, and, and do debriefing with them as well as processing the contracts and applications that come through. And so partnership development is just an ongoing thing of networking and helping our missionaries um, network with other resources and ministries around them in country and as well as all of us investing in the debriefing processes that they each need, uh, whether they're taking a break and taking a furlough or coming off the field or going on, we, we try to spend time uh, debriefing and building our relationships with them. So that's kind of the, the quick overview <laughs> of what I do. Um, as far as Adventive goes, kind of what I would describe it as um, is a different, little bit different in that we seem to attract um, people that are really focused on cross-cultural advancing of the kingdom of Christ in a really creative way. And so instead of them coming on and we say, come and if you fit our vision, um, come on to ACCI, we say, what is God calling you to do? And what is it cross-culturally he's asking you to focus on in advancing his kingdom? And then how can we undergird that and help you succeed and do that effectively? So that's kind of our focus. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty big answer for a short question, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm thinking about it. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff you've left out as well, just things that we haven't gotten to yet. So yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to getting back to that a little bit later. As we spend a little bit of time getting to know you, though, I'm, I'm wondering... And I think, I think that you mentioned you may have had one of these already, but do you have like a meaningful quote or maybe a scripture or something that's uh, really been un- underpinning your life and how you approach ministry? You know, I, I'm really, um, and I'll mention this, I'm sure, more than once as we talk, but I'm really passionate about unity. And there are so many passages um, in Scripture. There's the passage um, that of Jesus' words himself in John 17. But in Ephesians 2, there's a few verses right before one of the verses we memorize often in verses 8 and 9, beginning in verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, one of the things I just am really passionate about is unity, and kind of starting from the inside out, unity in my walk with Christ, unity with my husband and my marriage, and how that bleeds into unity on our staff team, and how that bleeds into unity among our missionaries and among their work and who they touch on a daily basis. And so I'm always passionate about those kind of foundational scriptures that direct us toward the heart of Christ in, in his unity and how we love one another. Yeah, so unity is a big deal. How do you how do you put flesh on that? How do you make bring that to life? <laughs> you know, uh, for one of the, one of the things that I like to do is um, stay in communication with people I trust that God has put in my life, and put accountability around myself um, so that we're always aligning with the Word of God. It's really easy to get doing tasks and get really busy, and even do really great ministry events and ministry things. And they're not unity. And, um, so I'm pretty, I'm a pretty open person. I'm 
simple in my approach with things, but um, I communicate and the Lord has really helped to teach me about the value of communication in my relationships and also getting the right people around me to ask the hard questions, hold me accountable and help me help direct me toward preserving unity and being a person of unity. And that's an every minute choice for me. I think, you know, I'm constantly having to rechoose that and uh, sacrifice and forfeit my opinions for the sake of others. And, you know, whatever the Lord uh, that challenges before me, where is unity in that process? So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I see it. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, to be mm-hmm. honest, you kind of nailed me with that whole getting focused on tasks because it's so easy to focus on those, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. And then think that it's the noble thing and it could be very empty and lifeless without even realizing, like, how did I get here? You oh, know, yeah. was this my plate that I put on my plate or is this something the Lord has called me to do in obedience and be a part of? So, And you also mentioned accountability. I think that's kind of a big deal. Can you share with us maybe a little bit of how having that in your life has really enabled you to do what God would have you do? I think it's really easy to hide behind my opinions and my my views and also my passions, especially as an artist and a musician type personality, mm. and and then set aside the people that God has put in my life to speak into my life, um, and obviously in His Word, you know, just keeping that before me. But also, our organization requires um, that each of our missionaries have an advisory council and a mentor, and the advisory council um, is getting the right people around me to do that, give advice, healthy, godly, wise advice. And then a mentor that is challenging me to go deeper and go farther and ask the hard questions. And so I have both of those. And that's one of the ways that has been really tremendously valuable is um, making sure that I'm not lazy about that and then getting prayer around that. So I also have a prayer team um, that helps me. So yeah, that's kind of how I do my accountability. (laughs) That's really good. I I appreciate you doing that sharing that because, you know, sometimes we can hear things like accountability and what we might hear is a group of friends that talk about failures every week or things like that. And it sounds like what you're doing is actually something a lot more strategic. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that's also, um, it is, it's got to be intentional and, and and it takes effort and I can get lazy about it. I admit that, you know, and I have to, I have to get intentional. And just recently my mentor said to me, man, I think you need to get more specific people around you praying. I, I was sending out like, you know, prayer emails to let's say my newsletter folks and that kind of thing. And she said, you need to be more intentional. You're caring for everyone else quite well, but you need to care for yourself better. And I, and that was a challenge, you know, to have this, you know, 86 year old wise woman uh, say to me, um, I don't think you're taking care of yourself in, in, in the way that you need to. And then she explained that she goes, I want you to be accountable to the word and to prayer and obedience, you know? So that was great. Yeah, and, and you know, that's really big because a lot of times it can feel like if we're taking care of everybody else and not taking care of ourselves, that we're, you know, some kind of amazing superhero, but the reality <laughs> is we're not really stewarding what God's given us. Exactly. Well said. I agree. Yes, exactly. So I, I did have one other thing I wanted to talk about it before we tie a bow in this section, because I know that you spent about 25 years as a music director or worship director, rather, involved in short-term missions and now five years involved with ACCI on a staff level. But that doesn't come without challenges. It's not, not all unicorns and rainbows and puppies, right? Can you share with us maybe the story of a challenge that you faced and then what God did in that time in your life? 
Do you mean in the context of worship or in missions? Uh, actually, the, just any of that time from the whole time, because it's all, it's in, it's in my eyes, together. it's all, yeah, it's all one. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I could share with you my very first uh, challenge on my very first short-term mission trip. Um, and I think in the context of this hardship, I I have to keep choosing to be in a place of prayer and worship. And so as I'm trying to live a life of worship and what that means, and it's a daily challenge, all of a sudden when you bump into an unexpected um, hardship, it really becomes the bigger challenge, the biggest challenge of all. And so the short version of that is that I was headed with a team from my church to Haiti and I was co-leading the team. And then the embargo happened. This was back in like, I think, Wow, 1994. And, and we were re- rerouted to another country. And in two weeks, I had to get my whole entire team ready to move from Haiti to going to Southern Belize and in Central America. And my heart was so in Haiti and I had no interest in going to this country. I didn't know anything about it. I, um, I had never been there. We knew very little other than that we felt the Lord was directing us here as a church through a relationship with another missionary. So it wasn't until I went through a long, muddy truck ride through the mountains and um, landed in the village, and I remember the first thing I did was go for a long walk down the road. And while I was walking down the road, I had such an encounter with God of why He had brought me there, and I could feel the spiritual oppression in this place at the time, and it was like as I walked, I could feel like I was cutting through this darkness with light and it was it was enclosing behind me and opening in front of me while I took these steps down the village road. And the Lord's presence and his voice was so real real to me and enveloped me so much that day um, that I had no idea what was ahead. But it was my first challenge in learning what it means to be obedient without knowing the outcome. And so now twenty two plus years later, you know, my husband and I and many others have had the privilege to be part of this long-term partnership with this beautiful first Christian church in the village and have been alongside a first generation of believers and partnered together and learned about unity and spiritual warfare and standing firm uh, since that day. And so there, you know, you're talking 22 years of lessons in the midst of being a worship pastor and leader at the time and going, coming back and taking people with me and going and coming back and going, and coming back and just seeing how, um, that prayerful process of listening and obedience, how the outcome is for his glory. And, uh, so it's, it's been an incredible long journey of learning, really incredible between these years. Wow, that's that's great. I really appreciate you sharing that. It, it's amazing how God worked from that time has laid the foundation for yes. decades of relationship. That's that's just mm-hmm. stellar. Uh, mm-hmm. With that, we are going to need to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus. And we're going to talk more about the ministry. Okay, great. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, it's Scott McClellan. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about security and leadership, and uh, please feel free to go back to some of the other leadership moments on the lead up here, but this should make sense to you even if you haven't heard the others. Last time we talked a little bit about things falling apart and our personal identity or security self-concept being challenged and how God disciplines us and instructs us in that process, sometimes by locating the things in our heart that are false motivators 
that's a little bit more than what we said last time. One thing we need to realize about crisis in leadership, especially when people are uh, talking about, in negative terms, uh, where we're headed or what we're doing, especially those who are under our influence, uh, for lack of a better way to say that. Uh, one thing we have to realize is that much crisis in life is man-made. And sometimes, you know, the Lord, the Lord creates the context sometimes and man makes it into a crisis. Uh, but not only is much crisis man-made, but it's certainly man-maintained. We, uh, in our weakness, make more out of a situation than it actually is, which causes it to be more difficult to get out of it, if you will. Uh, we've got to, as leaders, uh, develop and increase our capacity for adversity. Difficulties will come. Jesus uh, made that clear to us. Uh, how is it that we develop and increase our capacity for adversity? You got it uh, by going through adversity. And probably in the initial rounds and the early rounds of that, it's not very pretty as we go through adversity. When you're learning your way through something, you uh, you may not have a perfect score or even a passing score on the first couple of go-rounds. Don't let that be a discouragement to you. It's not a discouragement to the Lord. He knows what he's working with, and he's making you into his image. So no worries there. But don't get caught up in the man-made crisis cycle. Realize that what you're going through, the Lord has permitted or he's put you in this place. And because of that, you can uh, expect and ask for and receive his grace to continue to go forward and, and provide a quality example of his anointing and his his uh, his personal leadership. That's what we're trying to demonstrate is that Jesus is leading in the earth and he's using us to do it. I'm Scott McClellan. Tune in next time. We'll talk more about it. Thanks for joining us. If you need to contact me or us, please do so at FX Missions. Have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters. All right, we are back with Anne Heinrichs. We just finished hearing a little bit about how God has used accountability in her life and how that's structured and some of the amazing things that, that God's done. I especially just loved that story that she shared about how God took a reroute and turned that into a multi-decade relationship with this church. Now we're shifting our focus a little bit more toward the ministry that Anne's involved with. So she's with ACCI. Anne, would you share with us a little bit more about what ACCI does and a little bit more about the ministry? Absolutely. Um, you know, we don't, one thing that's kind of interesting is our organization, we don't go to mission um, conferences and set up a table and share about who we are. We've really, um, every time we've had that opportunity and we pray about it, we just kind of haven't gone that direction because we're finding that through word of mouth and through prayer and, and different believers looking f- uh, for 
a connection and how to serve abroad, um, they find us. And so, and it happens through our relationships and through conversations and networking. And so we're really learning the importance of networking and partnership, not to sell, but to empower people to take the gospel abroad. Um, so that's been a really kind of a new little twist that we've been, the Lord's been revealing to us as an organization. And I think, um, like I said, you know, we don't do a recruiting thing. We're finding we have kind of a combination of people that serve with us, and it's been very humbling. And I learn something from every one of our missionaries. And one of my favorite things to do is to go deeper in member care. So having Skype meetings, I love that we have this technology because I learned that the average member care person with different mission organizations traveled 200 to 250 days a year. And that's expensive for one thing. Um, and so with Skype and, and other uh, technology, we can talk face to face when there's someone's hurting or needs prayer, or there's a crisis. So we check in pretty regularly with our staff. All of us are available and our missionaries know that. And we, we are, we can't be all things to all people. So we try to bring resources onto our, onto the table that, that they have to draw from for the different needs that come up. Um, it could be something strategic in ministry like church planting, or it could be something like cultural assimilation and someone struggling. Um, so we try to really invest into our member care aspect. And, uh, so, and, and we keep learning. I'm going to a conference for a week in April and just to absorb and learn about member care. Um, so that's probably, you know, just one of our more important things is we're finding if we care for them soon, it gives longevity and uh, we're learning how to do that. (laughs) And hopefully not that at their expense, but we're trying to learn how to do that well, you know, and care for our families and our missionaries that are serving. So you've mentioned member care a couple of times Mm -hmm. now. Would you share with us maybe a little bit about what that means? Mm -hmm. Yes, sure. Um, You know, it's not complicated, I think, uh, for one thing, but it's very important. And basically that is providing a listening ear um, more than anything that we can listen to our missionaries share about their victories and successes. And sometimes they're in very remote areas and they have no one to talk to. So the fact that we can get online with them and go, tell us what happened last weekend. You know, how was that? And, and, um, and then to celebrate with them, or if they're really struggling, we have a missionary that's in Burundi and he's in a very dangerous situation there. And we've just been covering him in prayer and staying in touch with him step by step as he's been walking through that challenging time of a lot of um, conflict around him and his family. And then there are times where they need resources and they're stuck and they're feeling stuck in what they're doing. And so they, it's hopefully providing a platform for them to come at any, at any level and maybe receive some inputs and care and prayer and direction. Um, and resources. <laughs> Does that help a little bit? Oh, absolutely. You <laughs> okay, know, okay. I, I have an opinion of what member care is, right? And I, probably everybody does, but it's great to hear you share that. And I'm wondering, you know, you've talked about the value of this. Do you have any specific stories that you're able to share without compromising anybody's safety or their privacy? Um, wow, there are so many. You know, what's interesting is every story is so different, which also to me, puts a dot on the explanation point of how important it is to be available. Um, I think in listening, um, one of the, one of our situations we've had in the past has been just the struggle of unexpectedly going into a culture that they thought would be very easy and 
they're crashing and struggling and really um, surprised how much more difficult it is unexpectedly. And so one of the things that we provide is um, a stress assessment that we can do with them that draws upon their strengths and helps to redirect them back to what God has put in them to help them uh, assess their stress and what's causing stress. And is there some ways that we can can help you with stress. And sometimes cultural adapting is really tough. And that can mean language when they start language study, those kinds of things. Um, so a couple other, I think a couple other instances would be, um, families, um, you know, the, the third culture kid situation is a real thing. It's a mm-hmm. real dynamic and it usually catches families off guard. If God leads them to a change and the kids only know the country that they've been living in as their home country. And now the, the church is viewing, oh, you're coming home to us, mm-hmm. you're coming home, but it's not home to this family. Right. That's a really big hole. And so with member care, um, you know, how do we help families and return home? And how do we help churches, um, you know, care for them well as ascending or supporting church? So one of the things that we just started is this, um, and we're just stepping our toes into the water, the biblical definition of sending a missionary really comes from the church. But I think that mission organizations exist because the church can't always do it, handle it, or have the resources to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to develop a, a, a three, we call it three chords, you know, communication of this is the missionary's responsibility. This is ACCI's responsibility. And as a church, here are some things that you can do to be a part of this the strengthening of this three chord relationship. And so we could develop those definitions, what that looks like, trying to help churches choose some things they know that are attainable, they can commit to. And then after one year, reassess that and go, Hey, can we add one more thing in supporting this missionary and go from sending a check to being in a relationship and actively understanding and being a part of what they're doing in God's kingdom rather than just knowing about it. So that's been a member care thing that we've been learning from. And out of that have come a lot of other stories as well of, um, how our missionaries are building their relationships in a new way with some of their home churches. So that's been beautiful. So, you know, with member care, it's so private and confidential. I really hesitate to share anything too specific because everyone's actively involved. And, um, uh, you know, I just want to be careful to not share too many specific things that are confidential, you know, and hold that. No, no, that that's absolutely fine. That was not, that was not my heart at all, but you know what? I'm so happy about what you did share because, you know, as you're sharing that, I'm thinking you talk about uh, a missionary having certain responsibilities and ACCI having certain responsibilities and a church having certain responsibilities. But I think a lot of times when people hear that, what they think is, well, the missions pastor or the senior pastor must be responsible for these things. But what it sounds like is that you're putting together things that the body as a whole can come behind. Is that is that what I'm getting? Absolutely. Uh, for example, I can give you an example. Um, one thing that we're learning, and our, my own church is doing this actually quite well, is they're building um, advocacy teams. So, you know, church staff oftentimes turns over, let's say, um, one of the problems we find is if, it, if a senior pastor leads and he's overseeing everything, the relationships go with that pastor. And so the missionaries are unbeknownst to them. They're off serving worldwide or even locally, mm-hmm. and they come home 
and no one knows who they are. And, and, and we've had this happen very recently, even with a couple of our missionaries. It's been quite devastating. So what we've tried to encourage them is to have advocates that are in the church body that speak on their behalf as missionaries and represent them well. And then those advocates can represent the missionaries as well to the church body. And so... Um, like on our church, we have actually one person of each. We have 10 partnerships, long-term partnerships that we're part of worldwide. And then an advocacy team for each and one person from each advocacy team makes up our mission board. And then one pastor on staff oversees the mission board. And so there's little things like that that can have big results. Um, that was also a seven-year process that I just <laughs> quoted. It wasn't a quick thing. But we're, we've been encouraging our missionaries to have advocates. So I've had a couple Skype meetings now with some of our missionaries' advocates saying, hey, how can we help so-and-so in such-and-such country? And I'll be able to kind of undergird um, and hopefully represent them well and give them some ideas as they communicate with the missionary and also ask us how they can um, support them in an effective way. So there's really, there's really neat ways to partner together with as the body of Christ, really creative ways. Yeah, that, that's huge. I'm probably going to mess up the whole flow of the interview, but I'm wondering if there's somebody listening right now who's going, man, I would love to bring that to my church, or I would love that to present that as an option. Are there resources that you could point them to to go, okay, how do we do this? Yeah, actually, um, we don't have anything that we um, hold to ourselves. So we're, we're open to sharing our documents. We're open to sharing, um, our information. We get our information from others as well, and we're adapting it to our situation uniquely. But, uh, like with the short term component, um, I'm willing to share these documents. Um, and I have a, I have a mock up of what a mission advocacy team can look like in your church that my church has given me permission to hand away. And I have a whole folder system for short-term mission leaders that takes them from start to finish of resources and a checklist and training from pre-field, on-field, and post-field um, that I give to anyone who wants it. So I'm very willing to share those documents with anyone that might could use them for, for their mission and their ministry. Wow, that that's huge because, you know, one of the things I've been hearing from some of my former guests or guests of the show and then some people that are even upcoming is that one of the biggest challenges is you're gone for two or three years and you come back and nobody remembers you. Nobody will let you in the pulpit. The people Mm -hmm. that you had relationship with 10, 15, 20 years ago when you left are getting Mm -hmm. sick. Some of them have retired. Things, things have changed and there's nobody left who, who knows you, who can, I mean, there are plenty of people that can pray or give money or that kind of thing, but they don't know you. And in six months, you don't have enough time to visit a hundred churches. <laughs> and right. Like, yeah. Well, it's ahead. really changed. It's really changed. And you know, um, it's just the culture. I think that's changed too. going and trying to get five churches to support you. Um, the first question that most of our missionaries get asked is, are you a part of our church body? Mm-hmm. And that's the first question. And so oftentimes, and that's a fair question. It really is because churches are more and more beginning to be in more relationship with their missionaries. I think that's really wonderful. But yeah, the dynamic, the culture of the church getting, um, being able to share. I'm sad about that. And because this is what actually really struck me, um, about missions and, and called me into missions at nine years old was hearing missionaries share in our church. Um, that's what that is the thing that brought me to missions was actually hearing their stories, hearing about the need abroad, that there's another land other than what I live in and people that don't know about Jesus. And 
And so as simple as that sounds from a child's perspective, that's really what missions is all about and why I care about unity. And so there's responsibility all three ways. There's responsibilities of church leadership, not um, adopting assumptions that are inaccurate, but making sure that that they that they know to be true what's true about a missionary that they're supporting. And then there's the missionary's responsibility to be communicating and um, not complaining, but communicating and in relationship, making phone calls, getting on Skype, um, talking with their mission board, um, staying in relationship. It's reciprocal both ways. So the time, the day of missionaries just receiving and going um, are gone. There There needs to be that back and forth. And so, uh, you know, an agency can kind of help moderate that, um, and help bridge, bridge that when it's requested. We, you know, make sure our missionaries take the lead on that, but there's a lot of ways to, to come around that and, and work together, but it does take cooperation. It does take a correct focus, um, on the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. And, um, and it takes a lot of unity and agreement to, to make sacrifices on all parts for each other and for the kingdom. Wow, that's great. As you know, as I'm thinking about what you do, I'm just wondering, what is it that excites you the most about the ministry that you're involved with? I love that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's two answers that I have for that. Um, Honestly, it's just the gospel of Jesus um, and the privilege and the opportunity that we have to have that in our daily focus and ask God, how do you want to propel that today, Lord, through me? So I just, I just, there's nothing like seeing the hope of Christ strike someone's heart for the first time um, or praying for them and praying for someone who needs prayer. Um, so that's just, you know, that's like undergirds everything of why I do what I do. The second thing is I, I've shared a little bit. I love building partnerships and networking in the body of Christ and laboring together in God's kingdom work rather than having any spirit of competition or even entitlement, (laughs) but going toward one another with our gifts and our talents and struggling together in a good way toward the cross on how we can best do um, what God has put before us together. So those are kind of the, the two things that are light a fire under me. <laughs> that's, that's great. Now, okay. before we tie a bow on this particular section, I wanted to circle all the way back around to the beginning because we had talked about the the fact that you're involved with a group that does short-term missions. So you're, mm-hmm. you're involved in long-term member care, but you also take trips of people, you know, short-termers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of discussion sometimes about whether it's worthwhile to send somebody over for a couple of weeks, that kind of thing, versus just sending money. And I think that you have some perspective on that. Oh, sure. <laughs> I have a whole boatload <laughs> because there's so many different ways to look at that. And, and for, let me just clarify one thing. All of us <clears throat> on our staff all do short-term missions or involved in ongoing partnerships of some kind around mm-hmm. the world. So while I serve on staff full-time, I also have the privilege of going abroad. And so as you mentioned at the beginning, my husband and I, in our own calling and relationships have a long-term partnership in southern Belize with a Garifuna pastor and village there and then in northern Italy. And so with that in mind, I can bring people with me. Um, Serving through my church, I can bring people with me. And my my love and passion is to um, help the church grow healthy leadership in short-term mission um, because I am kind of look for holes when I'm serving in, in ministry and in, and in missions. And one of the biggest holes is I find, I'm finding is that churches really struggle with finding healthy team leaders that cast 
um, a healthy vision and give the right kind of permission to people when they decide to go on a short-term mission, as well as church leadership giving the correct permission and definition around and the teaching around what healthy short-term mission is and isn't. So that's a whole nother discussion (laughs) for a whole nother time, probably, I realize, but it's very vital. And it's around that that determines whether a short-term mission experience is a success or a failure. And I think it's easy to say that we put this average amount of, you know, $15,000 a year into short-term mission. Why don't we just send the money? But the spreading of the gospel is about true partnership and unity. And that means cross-culturally as well. And what, what you, when it's, it's a privilege to come alongside the work that God is already doing in another land and come alongside other saints and, and join arms together and strengthen that time, uh, to get that work together in that short time that we have. And then what we learn abroad and bring home, I just have been communicating with a gentleman that was on a short-term mission, uh, team that I was a part of, um, six years ago. And he's now, at the time was really struggling in his life and he's now gone through treatment, turned his life around, has gone through training. He's been with YWAM, gone through training. He's with YWAM leadership and now he's with YWAM permanently. And, and that came out of a short-term mission experience. So I think we have to be really, really careful about how we generalize things and put the responsibility back on why we do what we do. Are we going for ourselves or are we being called to this mission, even a short-term mission? And that's the question I ask every person filling out an application. Are you going on this because you've never been out of the country? Well, that might be a start to get somebody thinking that the Holy Spirit can use that. Are you going because you've always wanted to go on a short-term mission? Well, let me tell you about this land, about this pastor we're going to work with, about this situation. And then you ask the Lord if he's calling you to do it and then come back and talk to me in two weeks. So I've started to do some things like that because Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of um, opinions flying around. There's a lot of literature and books flying around of, you know, let's go on vacation, but then do something (laughs) worthwhile. When really, you know, it really has to be about calling and obedience. And, And the church has to back that up in a way that's healthy with good guidance and good teaching and good training. And so in my small way, in my learning process, I'm trying to pass some of those nuggets along as the Lord gives them to me as best I can. (laughs) Wow, that's that's great. That's much more, uh, that's a very developed answer. I really appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. With that, we are going to go ahead and take one more quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus more toward resources for our listeners. Okay, great. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Um, yeah, uh, there's been a number of them. Um, one of the ones that comes up for me a lot as I continue to watch things unfold in what we um, help set in motion in Mongolia is the scripture from Habakkuk, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, I believe. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm about to do something in your day that you would not believe, even if you were told. And we feel like we got to live through a modern fulfillment of that prophecy to Habakkuk, that God did something that so far outstripped even our wildest dreams as we said yes to him and followed him out to uh, outer Mongolia, that the Mongolian church that uh, resulted uh, even before we left, had planted daughter churches and granddaughter churches and has continued without let up in the 20 years since then. And uh, just we look on with amazing, 
amazement as we see them sending out their own missionaries, and they've been doing that since 1998. Um, just an incredible outpouring of passion for Christ. They're not content to let the peoples around them stay unreached the way that they stayed unreached for almost 2,000 years after the Great Commission. And so it's that Mongolia today is the foremost missionary sending nation on planet Earth. And that's a country that not one person knew who Jesus was in January of 1990. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with Anne Heinrichs. We've just taken a short break, and now we're going to shift our focus more toward you as the listener. Anne is a wealth of resources, and I can't wait to hear what she's got to share. Now, Anne, I know that most of the people who listen to this show are here in the U.S., and they care deeply about missions or about ministry, but they feel called into the marketplace. And sometimes in that situation, it can start to feel like what we do doesn't really matter. What would you say to somebody in that situation? makes me sad actually when I hear you say that and the, the fact that that could be a reality for someone that's a hard struggle um, you know I think getting re, getting focused on how God can use us um, isn't the focus at all it should be more around getting to know the father's heart and his love for us and then out of that naturally flows our desire to touch those around us. And so my heart and my prayer would be that each of us could get to know the Father's heart and His love for us and go deeper and deeper with that. It's a lifelong process, and we won't know it in full until eternity and face-to-face with the Lord Jesus. But that would be my prayer, is that stopping and and asking the question of, wow, where am I at with the Lord and His love for me? And really understanding and trying to ask the Lord to help understand that at a deeper level. Sometimes living here in the U.S., like I do, it can mm-hmm. seem like the world's kind of changing around us. My next-door neighbor is actually from uh, Zimbabwe. My The neighbor across the street is from somewhere else in Africa. What would you say to somebody if they look up one day and they begin to realize that their neighbors or their coworkers, the people they're seeing at the store, didn't come from here? Wow. I, I get For me, that I get very excited about how cross-cultural our country is becoming. And I just look at my own city, and um, I'm amazed at how in Minneapolis that has, has changed. And to me, that's opportunity. You know, we often pray, Lord, send us to the nations. And I feel like Jesus is bringing the nations to us in some really creative ways. So rather than an intrusion and an imposition, I think it's an incredible opportunity and from an eternal perspective in that, what does that look like? And what can that look like in how we love on those around us cross-culturally and build relationships cross-culturally? And it's a challenge because it truly challenges our definition of what it means to live and love others as Christ has loved us. And um, I really believe there are no restrictions on that kind of love um, mm. and that there's no bottom to that kind of love. And and that he can supply and get, and has no limit in giving us what we need and how he can use us and our neighbors around us from other lands. It's exciting. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because sometimes it can seem hard to deal with that kind of stuff. And then just remembering that our neighbors are people too. 
Yes. And you know, the word I, that comes to my mind is do not be afraid. Don't shrink back. Do not be afraid. And the Lord, I, I have to pray. I have a neighbor across from us that's originally from Japan and our neighbors to the left of us. Um, he is from Mexico and you know, there's just such incredible opportunities to ask them about where they're from and their families and let and be a good listener and just let them go. And then pretty soon they'll be asking us, you know, about ourselves and, and it goes deeper and deeper and trust starts to grow. So it's, it's just like any other relationship. And there's a lot of resources and tools we can use to help us learn about um, how to be sensitive to people from other cultures. And if we're willing to do that work for the sake of the kingdom, um, it's worth it. It's all worth it. Yeah. So speaking of resources and tools, are there any resources, books, internet websites, anything that you would recommend for our listeners? Well, you know, a couple of things. One is that on my blog, on my website, which is like a blog site, anheinrichsblog.com, um, under the missions tab, I have a drop down folder, a drop down document of resources, and I always am updating that. So you're, anyone's welcome to go on there. I don't have all the end all resources, but I put on there things that I think are valuable that have nuggets of information that can direct us and, and teach us and grow us in healthy ways. Um, all the way from short term missions, leadership, um, personal growth and missions to personal spiritual growth. And so, um, Anyone is welcome to go and check that out. But I do have three books that I keep landing on. And these are actually the three books that we are resources that we require our new short-term team leaders to read. But also, I highly recommend them for us as believers in the context of what you're saying, getting to know how to be sensitive to cultures and others around us, um, as well as for church leadership in developing that core foundational, hey, where are we landing on this and where do we start from and, and where do we end and how that aligns next to the Word of God. So the first book I always recommend and still haven't deviated from this for a long time is called Foreign to Familiar. It's by Sarah Lanier. And it's a wonderful guide to just understanding hot and cold climate cultures, the difference between a culture that focuses on relationship first and everything flowing out of that versus a culture that focuses on task and relationships are a result of task. And um, both are legitimate. Neither is bad. They're just very different. So if I'm from one kind of those cultures going into the opposite, how in the world do you do that with sensitivity? And then once that, it's a really quick read. It's like an hour and a half. It's not a big book, but I wish I would have had it way back at the beginning when I started in missions. Um, and it just gets the heart and the mind focused. And then that flows into another really good book called Serving with Eyes Wide Open by David Livermore. And this is the book I really recommend to um, also to mission leadership because it challenges the church on how to do short-term missions with cultural awareness and intelligence and from truth, <laughs> not assumptions, not how I want it to be, how it should look, but what it is and how I respond to it and how we can do that as a church and leadership. It just applies really well. So coming off of that book into the book called When Helping Hurts by Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert, this is really wonderful because there's a lot of misconceptions about poverty and misconceptions on how to deal with poverty and a lot of assumptions and how poverty is different in every context in every country and every people group in every situation. So how do you go in understanding hot and cold climate culture, 
with cultural intelligence and able to effectively serve those in need. And so I think those three books flow together really, really well. Um, so I highly recommend those three resources. Well, that, that's great. And you totally nailed me with that uh, whole task first, person second thing. That's That <laughs> continues to be a struggle with me because that's the way I develop relationships. I yeah. grew up in a cold culture. And so to be around people that are relationship first and then task, it just, it turns my brain sideways. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really challenging. It can feel really scary, but... But it's not. It's just different, and a lot of it just has to do with listening and being open to, um, as a creative person and, and working with musicians over the years, I've learned there's you know 200 ways to get to the same end result, <laughs> and the end result can still happen really well. <laughs> it just might not be my way, and that happens a lot with culture, too. It's like if you can't go in using all your senses and into a conversation with your neighbor who could be from, you know, uh, China or someplace completely different than you've ever been aware of and listen, 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 watch them, hear them, you know, watch their body language and learn from them and, and be willing to set aside my pre, my, my pre, um, conceived ideas and my expectations and all that lay it down before Jesus and go, Lord, Help me listen. Help me see things from your perspective, your eyes. As I look into the eyes of this person, what are your eyes seeing? He'll do it. He will do it. If we ask, he will do it. I'm convinced. (laughs) That's great. And and, and actually, we're almost done. But I did want to mention, for those listening, um, you know, if you want to remember Anne's website or if you can't remember it, just go to the show notes page, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Anne Heinrichs. We'll have links for all of that stuff right there. And then also, if you're interested in When Helping Hurts, I do know that that book is available from Audible. So if you go to engagingmissions.com slash Audible and you've never used their service before, you can actually get a copy of that for free. And I can tell you, I've, I've read that book. I think that's a great book. So I really would recommend that if you're interested in it. And before we go, do you maybe have one last piece of advice or maybe a way that pe- people can connect with you? Yeah, I have one little, just a closing thought. Um, I get asked this question a lot. And if you were to say one thing to me um, in what you've been learning, uh, what is it? And I have this um saying that I've used for my life that came out of my mission college days way back. And it's that obedience precedes revelation. Obedience comes before understanding. And for me, what precedes obedience is prayer, listening, and then obedience, kind of David's model. You know, he was very preoccupied with praying and worship and listening. And then through that obedience, he didn't know the men in the cave that he ministered to one day would become his army. And and I just think that um, there's a beauty in that flow of prayer and listening and obedience. And then the revelation is for the glory of God anyways. It's not ours to hold on to. So um, as clunky as I am and as cracked clay pot as I am before the Lord is his vessel, um, that's a desire that I have is to try to live in that place. Okay. And is your website the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, I think so. You can leave a comment and leave me your email and then I'll be glad to turn around and email you back. And if you have any questions and um, yeah, and feel free to use any resources that are there. And I'm glad to offer others. Um, if anyone has a need other than what's on my website, be glad to. Excellent. Well, and thank you so much. This has been a true yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Just an honor to just celebrate and talk about these things and learn and grow together. Thank you so much, Brian. I'd like to say thanks one last time to Anne Heinrichs for taking the time to do this. It really means a lot. It was 
you know, she's very, very busy. She's got a lot going on and she took the time to do this. So that means a lot. But also for you as the listener, I'm thankful that you were here. I I hope and I pray that you were encouraged and challenged and inspired and received something from this. Stop by the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash Ann Heinrichs for links to the resources that we talked about. And then before we go, just don't forget that if you're interested, stop by engagingmissions.com slash free book to grab a free book when you try out Audible's service. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.